How are you guys doing? What a great day out there today, isn't it? Isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord? Absolutely, especially when you're a Packer fan. You know, I say this often, um, and I said this in the earlier service, is that, you know what my favorite part of that video was? The kick return against the Bears. Yeah, that was really good. That was fun. <laughs> so how many Bear fans we got here today? Three. That's perfect. All right, so there's six in the first service, two last night. I don't know how you guys get here. How'd you even get in the door? Uh, just Again, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be able to, to uh, be here today. What a great church. Um, you know, going to dinner last night with Pastor and his family. You guys are really blessed to have a good man of God that's preaching. I'm very fortunate. I told the, some of the staff behind um, in the green room, and I'm fortunate to go a lot to a lot of churches around the country. Um, and you should be very blessed and honored that you guys are in a spirit-filled church, a church that loves Jesus Christ. It's very evident. I can feel it when I talk to people, uh, and even, you know, all the staff, the music people, they're awesome. Uh, everybody that I have come in contact with, I don't see that in every church, which is sad. Um, so be blessed. Keep coming. Invite your friends, because this is where Jesus is every single day. So thank you. What, what I'm going to tell you today is, I'm going to share some things, and I'll end with the, some different twist to um, what I want you to hear, is I want you to, I'm going to tell you my story, and um, it's a story of never giving up. It's a story of persevering. It's a story that everybody can relate to, um, because we all go through trials. We all go through ups and downs. We all go through hard times when things are just tough. And with Christ, you always have somebody that you can turn to. And therein lies the problem, is sometimes we don't turn to Christ. I'm as guilty as anybody in that area. But when it came to my story in football and seeing God open doors, you're going to hear a story, and you're gonna, at the end of the story, you're going to say, wow, I can't believe that guy ever played in the NFL. And so I'm going to say a few things before I get to the story and just say this. I should have never played in the NFL. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot more guys that were more talented than I was in the game of football. It was just my calling. At a very young age, I knew what I wanted to be, and that was something special in sports. I didn't know it would go as far as it did, but God did. And the other thing I wanted to say is this, is that I have two fears in life. Believe it or not, my two fears are contact and public speaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got to have a sense of humor or what. Um, and here I am standing on the stages and, you know, and got beat up pretty much in football. And I'm okay with that. I actually got to the point where I actually enjoyed coming across the middle and having Mike Singletary lick me, and I hung on the ball. Yeah, that's always, that's always fun. But for me, personally, my walk with Christ and my walk athletically really started at a very young age of seven years old. At seven years old, I grew up in a Christian home. Mom and Dad loved the Lord. My, my brothers and sisters, oldest, two older sisters and two younger brothers, all loved the Lord. And so I, I've never known anything different besides walking with Christ. I've never walked away and never wanted to walk away. I've had my trials and ups and downs, as you'll hear, but my heart was always with Jesus. And so at seven, I wanted a relationship with him. I wanted to be a follower of Christ. And so being very introverted, as I said, I, had, I wanted to go to the altar and accept Christ, but my Aunt Marion had to go with me. 
And so at 7, my Aunt Marion comes down to the altar with me, and I, I gave my heart to Christ and prayed the sinner's prayer. And, and at the end of that prayer, my Aunt Marion said, is there anything else that you want to ask God? And I said, yeah, I would love to ask God if I could be or do something special in sports. Crazy how the twists and turns and what I am today at 51 standing on stage is talking about this story from seven years old. And so when I, went, when I entered high school, I was a three-sport athlete. I played basketball, I ran track, and yes, I played football. But as I said, I didn't really like football much in high school. I loved playing in the backyards with the guys, but when it came to putting on a helmet and a mouthpiece and it's 90 degrees and the coach is screaming at you and you got to do all this and then get hit, it wasn't a lot of fun. So going into my junior year, I went to my dad and I said, Dad, look, I don't really want to go off of football. I just want to concentrate on basketball because my first love was basketball. I was a Pete Maravich drill junkie. I mean, I would do it until my fingertips bleed. I'd do all these basketball drills. So my dad, I, I said that to my dad. My dad looked at me like any dad should. He said, son, either you're going off of football or you're going off of cross country. I can't run more than 40 yards, okay? So I was stuck with this football thing. I went out to football. Uh, that year, we were 1-8. It was a horrible year. The seniors weren't really nice guys. They didn't really get along with the juniors much. It was just an awful experience. I hated every minute of that year of football. So after that junior year, I'm going into my senior year. It was summer ball. I was working on basketball drills. And I got getting ready for basketball. I said the same thing to my dad. I said, Dad, I don't want to go off for football. Can I concentrate on basketball? And he looked at me with the same thing. And he said, Son, either you're going off for football or you're going off for cross country. Praise God for fathers that make decisions for their sons. Listen to me, sons. They're a lot smarter than you. Daughters, your moms are a lot smarter than you. Listen to them. They've been through the fire. They've, they've dealt with certain things. Okay? And, and if it wasn't for my dad, I would not be standing on this stage today talking about my NFL career. There's no way. Because I would have not gone out. But it was my senior year that we got a new coach in at Caneland High School that instilled in me the love of football. And from that point on, I knew I wanted to play football. It became my, my passion and dream. I loved contact now. It was the whole, my whole world just changed when it came to my outlook on football. And then I knew it was my calling. And so I get a full-ride scholarship. One school came through Caneland High School to give me a full-ride scholarship, and that was Western Illinois. A dad's dream. Getting the kids pay, school paid for, right, dads? <laughs> yeah. I train a lot of athletes, believe me. I coach high school football. I know what it's like. It's a, it's a tough business out there. But it's a dad's a kid's dream. So I go there, go through the two-week camp. It's a fall camp. It was one of the hottest summers recorded in the history, 1983. And it was like mid-90s, humid, and it was awful. And our coach was a first-year coach that used to be a drill sergeant in the Marines. <laughs> That's a true story. Yeah. So he, he was, this was his first stint of coaching, and he ran it just like boot camp. It was awful. And after two weeks, it was so bad for me that I couldn't eat. So when we had mess hall, I couldn't eat. And so I lost 21 pounds in the course of that two weeks, and I went at 165. It was awful. It was a bad experience for me. Still today, the worst two weeks of my life, hands down. And so at the end of the two weeks, even during that two weeks, I was calling home, you know, to my girlfriend, Diana, and then to my mom. And then eventually it got to Dad, and Dad, I'm coming home. No, you're not. I said, yeah, I got to come home, Dad. I mean, and Mom started to feel, you know, I think this ain't going well. And then I finally got so homesick and so girl sick that I couldn't take anymore, and I landed up leaving. Now, you might say, girl sick? Well, that girl, we started dating my junior in high school. She was the only girl I ever dated. 
We met in kindergarten, and she's now my wife of four kids. Pathetic, I know. <laughs> but I will say this. I will say this. She's the greatest woman God ever created. And I can also say this, and this might sound strange. There's not one thing, there's not one thing that I can stand on this stage today and tell you that I don't like about my wife. Everything. From cooking to being a mother to being a great wife. She's really attractive. I mean, she has everything that I ever needed as a man, and God knew that at kindergarten. So, boys, listen to me very carefully. If God puts a girl into your heart, and she's saved, and she loves the Lord with all her heart, don't you screw it up. Don't you dare screw it up, okay? Yeah, look at you. I see you. <laughs> anyway, I've been blessed in that area more than anything, and that was my wife. So I left. I came back home. I enrolled at Aurora University right away, and I started playing basketball. Went back to basketball. Played there one season. Matter of fact, didn't really even finish that season, and I dropped out of high school or college completely. Started working construction with my brother-in-law, Bob McQuaid, putting siding, aluminum siding on houses for three years. For three years, I did this. And then in May of 1986, I started feeling the presence of the Lord speak to me in my quiet time, in my prayer life, pushing me back into football. And I kept saying, Lord, I don't, I don't understand. Going back to football, how, you know, what do I do? Where do I go? There was no options for me. But see, with God, there's always options. We just have to find out what they are and be patient. And so I started praying, Lord, just open those doors. Well, so I started trying to open doors myself. And so as construction guys, okay, you get to talking, right? How many construction guys and gals do we have in here that have ever worked construction? Raise your hand. Oh, well, we got a few. You'll enjoy this part then. So we're out there, construction guys, we're working. And one thing about construction guys, when they start talking in the hot summer days, is how great of an athlete they were in high school. <laughs> oh, I was really good at this. I was really good at that. Well, that's our conversation. We're pounding nails and we're talking. And all of a sudden, Bob, my brother-in-law, says, he says, Donna, he says, if you got this passion and dream and, lay, and God's laid this on your heart, and he's a Christian himself, and he says, why don't you just go try off the Chicago Bears? Sure. So it's May. They're having mini camp at Lake Forest. They just come off the Super Bowl they won in 1985. By the way, that's the only one they've ever won. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, I'll, I'll go try out for the Chicago Bears. How naive is that, right? So I went to Lake Forest with Diana. We drove up there. We're sitting in the stands watching Lou Barnes and Dennis McKinnon and Willie Galt, you know, because I was trying out for a wide receiver, thinking I was going to. And growing up, unfortunately, I grew up a Bear fan, you know, so I admit that, even in Wisconsin, I do. And I'm sitting there, and, I, and, and two rows above me was Bill Tobin. I knew who Bill Tobin was. He was a general manager of the Chicago Bears. So I said, man, I, I should go ask him. I mean, God must have put him there, right? I mean, right behind us? I mean, what's the odds of that? I should go ask him to see if I can get a tryout. Oh, man, I can't do that. There's just no way I can do that. There's no way. And Diana goes, I'll do it. That can't happen, right? So I got up, I walked up there, got the courage, and I sat there and I stood in the aisle of the bleachers and, and he had his legs crossed and he had a hat on and glasses, he was writing notes on a pad. And I said, uh, Mr. Tobin, I said, what would it take to get a tryout with the, with the Chicago Bears? And he keeps writing and you know, doesn't make eye contact or nothing. He goes, we just don't take kids off the street. You know, just typical rude bear people. I mean, it's just, you know. <laughs> and I said, well, what, I said, what if, you know, and I knew it some of the fastest times in the 40 year, but at this time in my life, I had never ran the 40. I don't know what I could ran, but I knew what Willie Gall could run. 
Okay, so I said, well, what if I could run a 4.2 or 4.340? Well, now he does make contact. So he, what he must have saw was probably pretty funny to him because he said, oh, we, if you could run a 4.2 or 4.3, son, you'd already be in our camp or you'd be in somebody else's camp. Well, praise God, that was my extent with the Chicago Bears. That was it, okay? <laughs> so I turned around and drove home, and I was a little dejected. And I said, oh, Lord, that, you know, obviously that's not the path. I said, but Lord, where do you want me to go? You know, what do you want me to do? So about a month later, in the middle of June, I get a phone call at home. It was Bruce Craddock, the head football coach of Western Illinois. Calls me out of the blue. Three years later. Now, you got to think to yourself, okay, why didn't he call me one year after I left? Why didn't he call me two years after I left? Why three years? Because, see, God knew that I wasn't ready one year. God knew I wasn't ready in two years. But God knew now, through my quiet life, that I was ready and so God was opening this door. I mean, think about the odds of a college coach, a Division I coach, calling a kid that left him three years ago. And out of the blue, he's just going to call him back? I mean, come on, that's not Jesus Christ. I don't know what it is. And so he, he calls me and he says, hey, Don, he says, Would you, have you ever considered coming back to Western and playing football? Thinking to myself, duh, yeah, answer to prayer. You know, I said, yeah, actually I am. I would love to. And he goes, great. He says, but I want you to know that once you started here in 1983, your eligibility clock started in the NCAA. And you only get four years with the red shirt. You're five total years, and you've already lost three. So you only have two years left to play college football. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that because in my mind I'm thinking, okay, I can go play two years of college football, Division I, and get drafted in the NFL. That was my passion and dream. Again, completely naive. So I went back there. Fall of 1986, I went through the whole camp again. At the end of the camp, we were just about to start school, and the rules and regulations guy, the NCAA for Western Illinois, calls me into his office. His name was James McKinney. And he says, Don, he says, I got to tell you something. He says, got some bad news. He says, you just, you're four and a half hours short of being a transfer student, so you're really not eligible to uh, be in school, let alone play football here. And I was like, oh, man. I said, really? I said, why do, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, why didn't we figure this out beforehand, right? You know, don't we all? We all want to blame everybody else, right? So I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do? Well, you need to transfer back to JUCO. Transfer back then in the spring of 1987, but you'd only have one year left. And if you want to do that, that's your decision. Well, of course that was my decision. I had a passion and dream of playing in the NFL. I wasn't giving up on God. Now, I want to say this, that we've all been given gifts. Every one of us sitting in here have been given gifts by God. It's up to us to either first find out what those gifts are and then use those gifts to glorify Christ, not us. And if there is one gift that God has given me, it's unshakable faith. No matter what I face in life, I know God's on my side. I know in the end, ultimately, I win. And the, the best is going to be done. Now, in the world's eyes, that might not be the case, but in God's eyes, it is. And so here I am. I'm thinking, Lord, okay, fine. I'll go back. I'll get the transfer credit hours. So I went back to Wabansi Junior College, picked up the four and a half credit hours, transferred back now in the spring of 1987 with one year of eligibility in Division I football and a passion and dream to play in the NFL. So I went through the spring drills. And in all of college football at the Division I level, everybody has their spring drills. They're usually about four or five weeks long. So I'm going through these weeks, and during the course of this week, I land up winning the starting job at the X receiver, which was quite a feat in itself. Thank you, Lord. And so at the end of the, the, the spring drills, I get another phone call from James McKinney, the rules and regulations guy for Western Illinois. And he sits me in his office, and he says, Don, he says, I hear you're doing great. Coach says, you're awesome. You're, you're going to get a starting job. And I'm real excited about this, but I, you know, as a staff, we collectively have come to the decision that we're just not going to give you eligibility for this fall. Now, you've got to understand, people, this man is literally shattering the dreams of a young boy. I was devastated. This was the end of the road. 
this was, well, there was no place to turn now. It was over. My career at football was never going to start, and there would never be a finish. So through my tears, and I was sobbing, and he kind of had to collect himself a little bit too because he saw what he did to me. And it wasn't his fault. I certainly don't blame Mr. McKinney. But through all that, I collectively got control of myself, and I said, Mr. McKinney, I just want you to know this, is that God sent me back here for a reason. I just don't think this is it. And I know that your hands are probably tied and everything like this. Can you imagine a young boy saying this to a man? I said, I just feel like God's brought me back here, and somehow, some way, I think he's going to work this out. He goes, son, he says, I, I appreciate you saying that. He says, my hands are really tied, and at this point, there's just no eligibility. So I left his office completely dejected, completely defeated, and completely questioning, God, why? How many have ever been there? You all should raise your hands because we've all been there. We've all questioned at times. Why is this happening to me? At this point in time, I've gone through all of this, Lord, and then now it's still a no? Well, I walked past Hanson Field, which is the football field. It had this 12-link fence around it, chain-link fence. And I put my hands against the fence, and I just start stopping. Just thinking to myself, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to play football. And I just start doubting everything. And so I turned my back. And one thing that I was taught as a young boy from my father and my mom was to pray. And the first thing we should always do when we face adversity or trials and tribulations, as it talks in the book of James, is that we should just pray. And one of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it talks about trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some of it. I mean all of it. He wants all of you. So trust in the Lord with all your heart, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and then he will set your path straight. Not the world, not me. He will. And so I kept reflecting on this scripture, and then I collectively got a hold of myself and it was like this cool summer breeze just blew in as I was sitting there with my back against the fence and I started thinking to myself okay God I'll be all right I'm going to trust in you I'm going to have that unshakable faith that you've given me ever since a little boy at seven years old so I got up started walking back to Wetzel Hall and I started packing my gear Everything in my dorm room. I was packing my car and I was, going, I was going home. Back to the construction business. In about five hours that same day, the phone rang in my dorm room. We didn't have cell phones then. Yeah, I know. And, and I wasn't even going to pick it up. I thought it would be Diana, my girlfriend, or my mom consoling me and anything like that. And I thought, well, I better should go pick it up. So I did. And it was James McKinney calling me on my phone. He says, hey, Don. He says, could you come uh, over to my office? I, I just want you to know I skipped lunch, and I've been here for about four or five hours just trying to help you out as much as I can. I just felt awful when you left. He says, could you come over to my office? And I said, sure, I'll be right over. So I, I hung up the phone, and, and I, I, was, I was passing cars and trucks and buses and everything like that going across campus. I was moving out, you know. And I get to his office, and, and I sit down, and I'm anticipating good news. And he says, Don, he says, and he, re he reiterates what he had said earlier. He says, man, I just, I had to find something. So he pulls out this rules and regulations book of the NCAA, and he starts flipping through the pages. He gets to, like, section 239, little e, little d, okay? And he reads this rule, and it says, once a student enters your school and they re-enter the same school, they're no longer considered a transfer student, but a re-entry student. So under that rule, I could have actually played the previous year. But see, at this point in time, I didn't even care. 
Those thoughts didn't even come through my mind. As a matter of fact, the first thought that came through my mind was, I told you so. And he said, yes, you did. Now, I want you to understand this, and this is probably the most compelling part of the whole story, is first of all, God's going to use people. I don't know if James McKinney was a Christian or a non-Christian. I, I don't even know. But I do know this, is that God's going to use people, whether where they are in their walk or they have no walk, or they're going to use, and he's going to use anything he can to get his will done. And that day, he used James McKinney for five hours to get the will done for Don Beebe. Yeah, and here's the, here's the crazy thing that I still today am amazed by the Lord. Why in the world would James McKinney waste his day to find eligibility for a kid that's never played college football, not one down, and he's only going to be at his school for one year at a position that really do you come in and contribute and really help the team win because as we know in sports today, it's all about winning. It's all about money. I'll tell you why. Jesus Christ. And so I got my eligibility. And boy, I was on top of the world. And before my career in the NFL ever started, okay, or I should say this, my career actually started in the NFL before I ever played one down in college football. Now, how does that happen? Jesus Christ. I'm in the math class. And I go to class every day. I'm in my tank top, jean shorts, and sandals. Usual college attire, just kicking it, right? So I, I go into class, and I come out of math class, and every day I walk out of three stories down the math building, and I walk around Western Hall. Western Hall is where they had indoor track and the indoor facilities, the coach's office, and everything of this nature. And I walk across the parking lot all the way over to Wetzel Hall every day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, except this day. Why did I land up walking into Western Hall? Jesus Christ. So I walk into Western Hall, and there they are, all the guys that were going to be seniors, which was going to be me, all the guys that were going to be seniors on the football team were running the 40-yard dash for five NFL scouts. So I walk up to Coach. I say, hey, Coach, what's going on? He explains to me. He says, well, there's five NFL It's a called the Combine Day, a pro day here at Western. And all the seniors are running the 40 today and doing other tests. I was like, man, Coach, that'd be great. Can I run? He's like, well, Donnie, come on. He says, you never played before. You're not on any film. And he said, you know, basically telling me, let's not waste our time. And I was like, I think it'd be kind of cool. And he says, okay, well, let me just go ask the scout. So he walks down there, and, he, and as he's walking down there, there's this big husky guy with five watches on his stomach, a ball head, and he has a big star in his chest. Obviously the Dallas Cowboys. So he walks right up to this guy, and I can see them conversing about four, 40 yards away, and the Dallas scout was just going, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just go. Let him run. So the coach comes back, and, I, and he goes down, and he says, good luck, man. He says, they're going to let you run. Just go ahead. And I said, coach, I got one more problem. And he goes, now what, Donnie? I said, all I got is my sandals and my jeans shorts. And I said, would they let me go back to Wetzel Hall and get my running shoes and then come back and warm up a little bit? He goes, no, Don, just jump in line. So I did. And this is the first time I've ever ran the 40-yard dash. So I kicked off my sandals. I jumped in line with my jean shorts on and no, no warm-up. And I, I ran. And if you could have heard me pitter-patter on that track, it was quite the scene. I can still hear it today. And so as I got done, this, this, this star was on a beeline for me. And he had never talked to any other guys. And I've been to a lot of pro days since then. And, and the college scouts, they don't talk to the players. They had no need to. Okay, they're just evaluating them. So, but this guy wanted to talk to me. It was pretty obvious. So I turn around and start jogging back. And he comes back to me and he goes, what is your name? I go, Don Beebe. He goes, Don Beebe, Don Beebe. What number are you on film? Well, I'm a fifth-year senior coach. I've never played before. He, goes, he starts laughing at me. He says, you got to be kidding me. He says, son, I've been doing this for 21 years. I have never timed anybody that fast on my watch. And he showed me. It was a 4-3-2. And I looked at him and I said, is that good? <laughs> I was so naive. 
He says, yes, that is very good. And we will certainly keep our eye on you and see how you play this year. So he, you know, still today, he thought that was an incredible story. But so I played that year and, and had a great year at Western, uh, Western Illinois and landed up being all-conference and all-American. All and those things had to happen. Believe me, these things have to happen. Okay? God knows that. This ain't about me. I learned that a long time ago. Me standing on this stage ain't about me. It's about him. And so after that year of playing, it came up to Christmas break of 1987. And I was just getting some, you know, letters from NFL teams, and they were saying, maybe a free agent. No way you're going to get drafted, but maybe a free agent. And pretty much that was probably even slim and none. And even a free agent, if you make it a free agent, you know what the odds are. You guys are all Packer fans. Free agents barely, barely ever make it. But all I wanted was a shot, because if I knew I had God on my team, which I knew I did, I could do anything. I could make any team. And that's the way I thought as a young, naive kid. I still do at 51, okay, by the way. So I had a decision. Do I enter the draft, or do I, I had the option to play one more year at the NAI level. And I had no idea what the NAI was. NAI, what's that? Well, it's completely separate from the NCAA. NCAA goes on years. NAI, NAI goes on semesters. So you get 10 semesters. Well, I had another year, at least, to play at the NAI. So I had made the decision over Christmas break, along with my uh, girlfriend, Diana, and mom and dad, to play one more year. So I had to find where they were. So I went to Sugar Grove Library, started flipping through NAI books, because I had no idea what, what schools play football, what teams are successful, what teams pass the football, what teams are going to pass me the football. Because if I'm going to go there, i got to get the ball. I can't sit the bench. No NFL team's going to take that, right? So I started doing my homework. And lo and behold, there's a school called Illinois, Illinois Benedictine in Lyle, Illinois, about 25 minutes from my home. Perfect, right? I was engaged to be married at this time. I mean, you talk about a perfect scenario in the world's eyes, so I had to go meet the coach. So we called the coach. coach says, yeah, come on over. We heard you had some NFL hopefuls anyway. We'd love to have you. So I sit down and start asking the coach, what was your record last year? Well, we were about 9-2, and 8-3. and three. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but 9-2, 8-3. So they had a very successful year. I said, what's your quarterback situation? Oh, he's a junior last year. He, he threw for nearly 3,000 yards, and he, you know, he's a great quarterback. We have another wide receiver called Bob Westerkamp. He was a Z receiver, but you'll, you'll be the X. There's no question in our mind. You'll be the X receiver. You'll start and play here. So I'm thinking, wow, this is so perfect in the world's eyes. I mean, God, thank you, Lord. And so as soon as I left there, my dad always asked me the question. He says, well, what do you think, son? Because he was with me. Just me and him went to this place. So we're sitting at lunch, and I, I had this sensation of, I don't know, Dad. There's just something about it I just don't feel comfortable with. And I can't even put my finger on it. Well, that's called the Holy Spirit. So and after I said that, he even said the same thing. He says, you know, son, I was feeling the same thing. And here's my advice to you people, is that no matter how great it may look in the world's eyes, it could bring you a lot of money, it could bring you a lot of prestige, it could bring you a lot of friends, it could bring you a lot of whatever, that the world might be saying, yes, yes, yes. If it's not what God wants you to do, I would say, no, no, no. And so I said, no, can't go there. So I was thinking, man, I got about a week and a half left to make my decision because I had to make the decision to transfer by the spring to be eligible for the next fall. All right, Lord, we need a rush job. That's how I started praying. Lord, we need a rush job. Isn't that great that we can talk to God like that? He's our best friend, man. You know, he loves us with everything, everything. And so I just said, we need a rush job, Lord, and just open the door, and I'm willing to go. If it's not IBC, where is it? And so three days later, roughly three days later, I get a phone call as I was walking through the kitchen. I pick up the phone, and is Don there? Don, junior or senior? Junior. Well, this is he. Hey, Donnie, this is Coach Brad Smith. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Now, Coach Brad Smith recruited me when I was in high school when he was at Western Illinois. 
He was the one that gave me the letter of intent to sign. So I knew him well. He was my coach at Western that first time I went. Well, five years later, he's now at some NAI school. So I'm thinking, yes, yes, thank you, Lord. I said, you're an NAI school coach? I said, wow, where, where are you? He goes, I'm at Shadron State. I said, she said, what? He goes, Shadron State, Nebraska. Nebraska? I said, I knew that was west. I, I, I knew where Iowa was, but I didn't know where Nebraska was outside of Iowa. I was so primitive, you know. So he said, well, run, get, get your atlas. So I run out to my dad's truck, grab, grab the road atlas, and I'm looking around, you know, Omaha and Lincoln and, you know, restaurants and movie theaters and people, right? No, 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 look up in the northwest corner, eight hours away on the other side of the state. One dot, Shadron. I was like, coach, there ain't no way I'm going to Shadron. 15 hours away from home. I'm engaged to be married. Coach, I can't go to Shadron. And I told him adamantly, there's no way I can come to Shadron. No way. And I'd be honest with you that even today, I, I think about this. If there was one place in the world that I would have thought would have been the least place that the NFL would ever notice me, it would have been Shadron, Nebraska. But leave it to God to know better than I. And so being the great recruiter that he was, he said to me, he said, Donnie, look, just pray about it. He knew exactly what to say, so I did. I got on my knees that night before I went to bed, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, please don't send me to Shadron. <laughs> and that's all I said. I literally got into bed, put the covers over my head, and laid there and fought it all night. I said, Lord, no, 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 I don't want to go there. There's no way I want to go there. You know, I can't go there. I was thinking of every excuse that I could not go to Shadron. And I woke up the next morning, and there was this calming sensation about this place in the middle of Nebraska, no man land, that was two hours from anything, you know, that this was going to be the place for me, Lord? Really? I mean, come on. I mean, you talk about questioning. But then I kept praying, and I kept feeling confident about this. And I said, comfortable. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call the coach and see if he'll come out to my house, and he'll sit down with Diana and Mom and Dad and field our questions, thinking there's no way he's going to do this. So sure enough, I call him the next day, and I say, Coach, would you ever consider coming out to a, you know, Sugar Grove, Illinois and sitting down with my fiance and my mom and dad? Oh, absolutely, Don. I'll be right there. <laughs> Two days later, he shows up in my living room. I mean, it's unbelievable. I couldn't believe it because I was hoping it was gonna, he was going to say no, right, <laughs> to give me my way out. So sure enough, he's there, and I got my, all my questions. Coach, what was your record last year? Oh, well, we were 1-8. You know, but don't worry, Donnie. You know, it was my first year coach, and we're going to be much better this year. Okay, strike one. So what kind of quarterback situation you got? He says, well, we, got, we lost our senior quarterback, Anthony, but, uh, you know, don't worry about it. We got this freshman coming up from Converse, Texas, Stuart Perez. He's really good. He's a great quarterback. He's 5'7". <laughs> Strike two. So I started thinking, okay, let's just cut through the chase. In my mind, I'm thinking this. Let's just cut through the chase, and let's get to, the, to what I really need to know. Coach, has there ever been anybody from Shadron ever play in the NFL? Oh, absolutely. Dub Miller in 1932. Ah, there's no way I could go here. I mean, he's, you talk about striking out on everything, every category. He struck out on everything except the fishing. Fishing's really good out there. I love fishing, man. You give me a boat in the middle of nowhere, that's me. I'd much rather be there. You know, so, so anyway, I fought it for a couple more days, and I really had no other options, and that's why God planned it that way. He gave me none except IBC, but I knew right away that wasn't it. So I called him, and I said, Coach, I'm coming. So I went out there. 
for four and a half months to get my eligibility. Diana stayed home to do all the plans for the wedding. That was awesome, man. I, didn't have no, I did nothing. All I had to do was show up, you know? <laughs> so here I am. Uh, I, I come back home. We get married July 9th, 1988. We truck out to uh, uh, Shadron. This will be the first time she's ever been there in our 8x10 U-Haul and our Cutlass Supreme. I'll never forget this, but we, we literally had about a hundred and some dollars in our checking account, and we had no place to live once we got into town, and we had no job, no income once we got into town. But what we did have is faith in Christ. And so we roll into town about 8 p.m. in the evening, and we go to the one motel, motels out there, in Shadron, and it had the porch light on, and I go up, knock on the door, and just trying to find a room in the inn, okay? <laughs> so nobody answers the door, so they must go to bed after dinner hour, so I don't know. So we pull into the football parking lot, we spent the night in, the, in our car. And the next morning at about 6 a.m., I hear this on the window. Now, being from Aurora, Illinois, you're in your car early in the middle in the morning and somebody knocks on your window, it probably is not good, okay? But in Shadron, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother lifestyle. And there's this elderly woman standing there and she, I rolled down the window and she says, she goes, you guys okay? Everything all right? Why are you guys in your car? And I was like, I mean, can you imagine this around here? That would never happen, right? And I said, well, she says, well, what's your name? I said, well, I'm Don Beebe, and this is my wife. Oh, you're Don Beebe. You're that guy that's coming out to help our horrible football program. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was kind of taken back. And she says, well, you guys don't have a place to live or anything like that? And I said, I said no, we don't. Oh, don't worry about it. She says, I have this friend called Donna. Her name is Donna. She has this house behind the house. They call them mother-in-law houses where they stick their mother-in-law when they come into town. And the place is really small and quaint, and I'm sure the rent will be cheap. The rent was 110 bucks. And she says, well, man, I'm sure you guys can have that place, and don't worry about that. She says, I'll take care of that. And she says, do you guys have any job or anything like going that? And I looked at Diana, and I looked back at her, and I said, no, she don't. <laughs> and she goes, and she says, well, I own the drugstore downtown with my husband, Dick, Myers Drugstore. She says, don't worry about it. We, we'll, we can give you guys a job. And I gave Diana a wink, and I gave her, and I said, she'll take it. <laughs> so before we even woke up in the morning, we had a place to live, and we had income. Is that like Jesus Christ or what? He just takes care of everything when we are willing to listen. And so I landed up having a great year um, at, at Shadron. And, um, and then came the, the draft, okay? And so I had 21 people in my house, the mother-in-law house. We were packed like sardines, and it was draft day. And everybody was kind of nervous, you know, things that were going. But I got to be honest with you, I was so calm and still probably a little bit naive. But I was just so assured. I mean, look what God had brought me through that I knew he had a place for me. And so we got a call at the end of the day of the first day and I picked up the phone and I said, hello. And he goes, hey, uh, this is Don Beebe? I said, yes, it is. He goes, this is Marv Levy, head football coach of Buffalo Bills. I just want you to know that we just took you as our first pick in the third round. Because, see, they didn't have a first or second round pick that year because of the Thurman Thomas trade and Cornelius Bennett trade. So I was their pick. I was their first guy. And so if you think about this for just one second after what you just heard, going from no man's land to no man's land to being the team's first pick in the NFL, if that's not Jesus Christ, I stand on the stage and have no idea what that could have been then. Praise God. And if he can do that for me. Yeah. And if he can do that for me, he can do that for any of us. Everybody here. These little kids, that you guys have passions and dreams, man. Don't, don't let, first of all, don't let anybody tell you you can't. You listen to Jesus Christ. He'll open those doors for you. We just need to be patient. We just need to be listened. And we need to be a follower of Christ first. 
we need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, as it talked about in John 3. And so I, and I want to challenge you a little bit here today, and I'm going to kind of end with a couple of things. I'm just going to challenge you. And I want you to just ask yourself privately within your own soul, am I really living the Spirit-filled life? Am I, really, am I really truly living for Jesus Christ today as I sit here in this church? Well, here's your litmus test, let's say. When's the last time that you actually really had a quiet moment in prayer with just him? Psalms 46.10 tells us to be still and know that I am God. Wow, that's a powerful, that's a short verse, but man, it's so powerful. Be still and know I am God. When's the last time that you were just still in the moment of Jesus and allowed him to speak to your heart? When was that last time? When was the last time you had the word of God opened up and you fervently studied scripture and you listened to it and you let it ingrained in you? When's the last time you memorized scripture outside of John 3, 16? When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you had a conversation with somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you shared what Jesus is doing in your life? When's the last time you had those conversations? And ultimately, ultimately, we've been created for two reasons. One, in his image, to glorify him. And then two, to tell people about Jesus. Which brings me to the fourth question of this test. Is when is the last time you led somebody to Jesus? When's the last time you told somebody about your relationship and led them to Jesus Christ? We've been called to do that, every one of us. And if you're feeling kind of down on yourself, that's okay. I've been there too. But I got to tell you, man, in my life today at the age of 51, I don't have many years left. And I want to stand in front of Jesus and have him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And when I walk the streets of gold in heaven one day, I can just vision this, and this is my heart's desire to the core and it ain't winning Super Bowls. I love winning Super Bowls. It's a lot of fun. But what really drives down BB is when I stand in the streets of gold and I see somebody walking towards me and they're in a beeline right for me. I don't know them from Adam. And they shake my hand and they say two words. Thank you. That's all I'll need. Thank you. Thank you for what you said at a church or thank you for what you said as a high school football coach or thank you for what you said to your kids that, le that led my kids to Christ. Thank you. Golly, what a joy that will be. Can you picture that moment? Man, when is that last time? If you haven't had it, change it today. Change the legacy of your family today, especially you parents. Change the legacy. It's just a matter of falling on your knees and asking God to help. He'll help you. Revelation 3.20 says he's standing on the door and knock. Hey, just open it. Allow him to come in. Allow him to come in. This is the last thing I'm going to say. When I was a little boy, I used to lay in the, in the tall grass in my dad's backyard. I was a thinker. And so I would just lay in that grass on a, on a day like today. I always remember these days, a warm summer or spring day. And I'd just lay in that grass, and I would always think to myself, and I'm sure everybody here has had these thoughts, is where did all this come from? Think about that for a second. Where did it all come from? The sun and the moon and the earth? I mean, come on. There has to be a creator, as it talks about in Genesis. There has to be. We could have just evolved around something, right? God had to create this. And so I used to think this as a young boy. I said, man, where did this all come from? 
And then the second part I would think is, why me right now? Why am I here right now? What am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do? What is my role, Lord? I know you want me to do something. I'm willing to follow. What is it? And then the third thing, that could be kind of scary. I don't mean it to be. Is where am I going? When it's all said and done, where am I going? The average lifespan is roughly 80 years. If you looked at 80 years on eternity's timeline, you probably wouldn't even see that dot. Our finite minds cannot understand time, as in God's mind. But where are you going? Because we're all going to die. One day we're all going to die. I know for me, if I was to drive home today, I'm ready. I'm ready. As, as, as the apostle Paul would say, to gain. To die would be to gain. I'm there. The question is, is are you there? I want you there with me. I want to see every face in this room in heaven. And you know what? So does he. So does the leaders of this church. Dads, you want to see your kids in heaven, don't you? Moms, it's your responsibility. Right? And at this time in their lives, it's your responsibility to teach them about Jesus Christ. Don't leave it up to him. Don't leave it up to me. That's your responsibility. Heaven is real. Go see the movie. Heaven is real. And sadly enough, so is hell. Hell's real too. There's only two places we can go. It's one or the other. Study scripture with your family, dads. Lead your, lead your kids to Jesus Christ. And one day, I will see you in heaven. Thank you very much.